what did you used to do when you didn't want to go to school? Well, when I was a kid and I didn't want to go to school and my mum would put, you know, the old-fashioned thermometer that used to sit under your tongue, that mercury one, I used to take it out of my mouth and put it against the light bulb so it would make it hot and then put it back in my mouth before my mum came back in. Today on Feed, Play, Love, we're going to be looking at phantom illnesses and how to tell when they're real or not. Feed, Play, Love with Siobhan Hunt. Have you ever had a child come to you at the start of a school day and say they're sick? Perhaps they have a strange ache in their foot or leg that will appear at random times. Maybe they talk about headaches or feeling dizzy or they're going to throw up. How do you tell when these complaints are a sign of a physical ailment and when it's a sign of something else? Dr. Deb Levy is a paediatrician, mum and was once a schoolgirl who did fake it to get out of school. Hi, Deb. How are you? Great. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for having me today. Did your mum know that you were putting the uh, thermometer on the light bulb? I would like to think she didn't, and (laughs) um, I'll have to check with her next time that I speak to her. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Look, I just want to preface that I'm not going to ask you to teach us all to become doctors in in a very short podcast episode. Obviously... (laughs) Obviously, you're a trained professional, but I'm just wondering if there are any ways to tell whether a child has genuine physical symptoms or if it's maybe a sign of something else. Look, I think it's actually quite tough, Siobhan, and um, especially for older children. Younger children, it's usually a bit easier. It's usually a little bit more obvious. You know, children don't really develop the the ability to um, make up lies until they're in, you know, until they're around about six or seven, that's when their ability starts. Um, You know, so younger than that, they generally don't, or it's very, very obvious. You know, so it's really the older children who can trick you. Well, the other thing I was thinking, Deb, is that sometimes I feel, maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience, but I actually think that when my this particular child of mine, when when she does it, I think I know she believes it. Like she's she's saying she feels sick, and I look at her and I think, yeah, I believe you that you say you feel sick, but I don't know that it's actually something that would keep you at home. It's possibly something that's caused by a worry, or there might be something else going on there. Siobhan, I I think that um, the first thing I want to talk about is the mind-body interplay. And not only is it a fascinating subject, it's also phenomenally powerful. You know, so certainly the way that our children are feeling and what they're thinking can impact on the way they're actually physically feeling as well. That being said, I do think, and this is obviously me putting my doctor hat on, is, you know, first and foremost, we do need to make sure that there are no um, specific physical issues going on. And this would possibly mean an assessment by your healthcare provider. You know, children can have rather unusual symptoms, yet actually have a physical problem underlying it. So I definitely think that it's important to establish that and and exclude it if you think that there's something else going on. And by something else, I mean something more emotional, more psychological. Again, this is something that 
COVID has brought to the front and I'm seeing huge numbers in my rooms of children with underlying anxiety, um, especially having gone through a period of lockdown and then re-entering schools. And um, with that sense of anxiety and fearfulness, there can be associated school avoidance, which in children, let's be honest, often boils down to, mum, I'm not feeling well, I can't go to school. Mm. So there is definitely an interplay and I do think we need to be aware of both. Bearing in mind, obviously, you know, the younger your child is, the more likely that it is just purely physical, whereas older children, they can become a little bit more sophisticated in the way they express themselves. I feel like if I was to take a child with those sorts of symptoms to you, I would get the assessment that I need. But having seen different doctors with my kids over the years, sometimes you can feel like they just aren't really hearing what I'm worried about or they're not really hearing what my child is saying. Do you have any tips on finding the right GP to see about this kind of thing or should we be trying to see a paediatrician? <laughs> Tricky question to ask me, Siobhan. I mean, I'm obviously a huge advocate of seeing a paediatrician. Yes. Um, you know, I've, I've trained for so many years and had so many years experience purely looking after children. That being said, there are some wonderful GPs out there who are very experienced in looking after children too. So I think ultimately it's about finding a practitioner who you feel comfortable with that's the right fit for you. And, you know, that may mean asking around friends, family, or maybe even just seeing a few people before you find, you know, as I said, you, you know, your, your tribe. <laughs> I think, you know, above and beyond that, and, you know, it's always about advocating for your child, what you feel that they need. And if you feel that your questions aren't being answered, you know, or, things aren't being explained, then, you know, seek help elsewhere. I think that is something that plays on the mind of parents when they're experiencing this with their child, because there's that worry that you will be the one that's missed it, that you didn't listen to your child properly and there was an underlying serious illness. If you take them to one GP and they're like, no, there's nothing wrong, uh, maybe you should see a psychologist, but the symptoms persist. Is that where you would then get a second opinion? And after two opinions, you're probably safe, do you think? Look, I think that, um, yes, a second opinion. And I think a request for a referral to a paediatrician is totally reasonable. That's what we're there for. Yeah. If you suspect it may be linked to anxiety, how do you go about finding a good psychologist or is that something that your paediatrician or GP can refer you to? You know, sadly, in the situation we find ourselves in now, it's very hard to find a psychologist who has availability mm. because they're so overworked with, um, you know, children who are just struggling. You know, usually either your general practitioner or your paediatrician will have a team of people that they um, have you know, that they will happily refer you to. The other option is actually through your school. And I find that a lot of schools have counsellors or psychologists themselves, and um, they're often a wonderful place to start. And if further help is needed, then again, they'll have recommendations for families. And I mean, this might be a bit left of field because it's not your area of expertise necessarily, but do you have any advice on what parents might be able to do in the meantime if they are on a wait list? 
There's certainly lots of online resources and um, Siobhan, perhaps we can add these to the notes. I'll, I'll email mm. them to you. But um, I, I think first and foremost, it's about establishing an open communicative relationship with your child and, and letting them know that they're heard, that they're safe, and then reaching out for other resources that are available. That's one thing I wanted to ask you as well. How would you speak to your child about those symptoms if you suspect that it might be linked to another worry or another concern, but they're taking it seriously? They're worried that they're feeling sick or they're worried that they might throw up. Is there a certain way we should speak to them and address those concerns? Because I think I know that my generation, we were probably brought up with this idea of, ah, there's nothing wrong. You'll be fine. Just get on with it. Is that <laughs> is that good for children to not put attention on what they're feeling physically or should we be actually directly talking about what they are feeling? Mm-hmm. Look, and, and, you know, funny you say that, but the first thing I was going to say is, is you shouldn't dismiss it. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, again, it def- depends on the developmental age of your child and ability, but... Um, a technique that I think is useful is to, instead of saying outright to them, listen, I think, you know, I think you're imagining this. I think it's all in your head. I think because you're sad, your tummy's sore. I think it's a better approach is to help them solve the problems themselves. And, and by that, I mean, rather question them and say, you know, why do you think, you know, your tummy is sore, you know, do you think it could be from when you're worried about something? Have you noticed that? You know, and, and try to get them to find the the links rather instead of outright um, labeling them as you know as psychosomatic. Really, is, is what you're referring to. Deb, thank you. I think you've given many parents some food for thought next time <laughs> their child comes to them in the morning. Thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure, Siobhan. Thank you. That's paediatrician Dr. Deb Levy. And as mentioned, I'll get those links from Deb um, where you might go if you're thinking your child might be anxious and I'll pop them in the notes of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed, Play, Love. If you did, please rate, review or favourite. That way you'll get all the new episodes plus we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, email me at feedplaylove at listener.com. Bye for now.